Welcome to another edition of Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church. We're so glad you chose to listen with us today, and we pray your life will be blessed through the following message. We try to keep the Holy Spirit quiet, and the Holy Spirit is in there, and he's hollering, let me go. Let me go and let me do my thing, and if you'll let me do what I, what I want to do in you, you will see your whole world transformed. We stir ourselves up when we begin to pray in tongues. There will not be a day that goes by that you don't pray in the Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit just to begin to stir you up internally until you can't hardly stand it. What are you worried about today? Are you worried about your children, how you're going to pay your next bill, or maybe the next steps for your life? The list of things to worry about is endless, and our enemy loves to promote fear and worry within us. That fear will not only rob you and me of sleep, but it will rob us of our sanity. The Bible says all things are possible to him who believes. Today's message is a continuation of Pastor Eddie Mason's series entitled, What Do You Believe? And in today's message, he focuses on how to allow God to take control and transform our world. Praise God. I love it. I absolutely love it. God is so good to us. I... uh... I took my uh, my grandchildren, several of my grandchildren, to shoot guns yesterday, and uh, it was very interesting. I have a little, uh, real small um, handgun, as Herman wants to call it. It's really a Derringer, and uh, so I had Malachi out there, and I said, Malachi, now we, I'm going to cock it, and when I cock it, it's ready to fire. And so he puts it in his hand, and he said, man, this thing, I said, Malachi, Malachi. And I'm hollering at him, and he starts crying, and the gun's going faster and faster, and I'm going, son, you kill somebody with that thing. And so then he starts crying, and it just goes from there to worse. But anyway, he finally, he winds up shooting it, and we get him calmed down, and I get him understand the danger. I thought I'd already had him there, but I had him understanding the danger. But what was really interesting was when we first started shooting, now all we were shooting was 22. If anybody knows anything about rifles, we shoot 22, a 20 gauge, and a 410. And so uh, those are not big guns. Those are small guns. And But when it started, when those bullets started popping, and they started, man, I can tell you, they started moving. One of them didn't want to shoot at all. Another one got in the car. They talked about how loud it was, you know, and all of a sudden what they've been watching on television, there was a reality that came in and the reality scared them. The reality of the whole thing scared them pretty bad, which is a good thing because sometimes fear brings respect, but it was real. That's the same thing when we do, when we talk about war and war is glorified and everybody talks about what war is like until you actually have to go to war. And then there are people that are killed and being killed and maimed and and destruction, and you see all this stuff taking place, and the reality of what war is all about begins to hit. I, I tell you all that because there is a war that's going on in the world, not just in the church, but in the world. And it's the the forces of evil coming against God's people. You can put it, you can stack it up any way you want to, 
the truth of the matter is that's where the conflict is coming. Now, there are many, many skirmishes and many, many things that look like, now let me say that again, that look like they're unrelated to the church, but it's not true. The, the, the devil has one purpose, and that's to stop the Word of God from going forth in the earth no more converts, and the not the return, but that he would receive worship. Okay, so everybody understand. Now, it's pretty cool when you start talking about spiritual warfare and you give me power to tread on scorpions and serpents until you start having to tread on scorpions and serpents, until you start coming against the aggravation of the things that's happened. And then all of a sudden, the reality of the spiritual war that's taking place begins to hit your soul. Notice I didn't say your spirit. I said your soul. It begins to take over your mind, your will, and emotions. It's interesting, uh, some of the, what Amy said, the scripture that Bobby read, the word that Daddy gave, everything that I'm going to talk to you about is going to line up with that very same thing because we are not called to be pew sitters or chair sitters or sideline cheerleaders. We are called to be actively engaged in the spiritual battle that's taking place on the planet. The scripture says that, the, that all of creation is in travail. It's groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, I'm not going to try to get into the fullness of that scripture. All I can tell you is that everything in creation is waiting for the church to begin to step its game up and be the church. The people need salvation. They need Jesus. We don't need new laws. We don't need more guns. We don't need less guns. We don't need masks. We don't need anything except Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on, give God glory. Give God glory. You know, I, I, I know, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not preaching against mask or anything else. I'm, I'm going to be wearing one. But what I'm trying to tell you is my confidence and our confidence must be in Jesus. Amen. Jesus is what got y'all through COVID. And so we have to understand what's going on. I want to go back to the scripture that I was preaching on. And I talked about uh, uh, seven different things to help, help stir you up. And so I started off and it says, what do you believe? And that's because that's what's going to affect you. 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, he says, I remember you as a man of faith, Timothy. I remember you as being one that could not be shaken in his faith. Was, and he said, it was also in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in you also. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance. He said, I'm going to tell you who you are. Turn to the person next to you and say, man of God or woman of God, that's who you really are. Put your hand on your heart and say, I belong to Jesus. I am empowered. I am a terror to darkness. Amen. That means we're light bearers. We bring light and darkness can't hide where there is light. He goes on to say, he said, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. Stir it up. What was the gift of God? He said, stir yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to take over. We try to keep the Holy Spirit quiet. And the Holy Spirit is in there and he's hollering, let me go. 
Let me go and let me do my thing. And if you'll let me do what I, what I want to do in you, you will see your whole world transformed. As long as you're in control, the Holy Spirit is not in control. Let me tell you something the Lord just whispered in my ear. During these battles is we try to make peace with the enemy. We try to make peace with him. And God has not called you to make peace with the enemy. God has called you to make war. He has called you. He said, I didn't come to bring peace on the earth. I came to bring peace in the kingdom, but I came to bring war in the earth. He goes on to say, brother will give me against brother. He said, father will be against child. He takes it on to this thing. He said, there is a war that is going on and you cannot be shaken in your faith because the very minute you're shaken in your faith, you're going to start trying to make friends with the enemy, and the enemy only wants one thing. He wants to kill you, he wants to steal from you, and he wants to destroy you. So you can't make friends with that kind of enemy. He's a deceiver and a liar. Amen? And so he says, I want to put you into reminders of who you are. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. First thing I want you to see from that is fear is a spirit. Psychologists will tell you and psychiatrists will tell you it's an emotion. God's word said it is a spirit that attacks our soul. Are you with me? Come on, we got to get to the reality of this thing now. I don't care how smart you are, how great you are. The truth of the matter is, is there is a realm that's beyond what we see. And in that realm, the spirit of fear tries to jump on you so that it can control you. The Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will fail for fear. Fear will engulf the earth. And what we have to decide is, are we going to accept the spirit of fear? Are we going to allow that to take over to us? You see, the problem with fear is it torments you. Anybody been in fear? I have. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've had fear. And so when we get fear on us, we get tormented. Anybody ever laid in bed at night, eyes wide open, and you're worried? You're either worried about your, your children. You're worried about how you're going to pay your bills. You want to worry about what's the next step is going to be. And, and if you let the enemy get over, keep going with you on this thing, the next thing that will happen is not only will you have rob you of your sleep, but it will begin to rob you of your own sanity. The anxiety will begin to build up. And you begin to wonder this question, how did I get this far? How, how did I get to 68 years old? And, and, and I don't know. I, I remember I had... Uh, we, we had had a company that went bankrupt on us. I lost my, my automobile and some other things, and I, was, I had gotten a used car and was doing some things, and it came time I needed a car. And I finally went to the dealership, and I bought me a, a Chevrolet Impala, brand new. And as I was driving off the lot, fear overcame me. And I thought to myself, man, how do you know you're not going to lose this job? How do you know that there's going to be enough money to pay for that automobile? How do you know it's not just going to be an embarrassment to you and you're going to have to take that car and go turn it in? And I'm talking about fear over money began to take hold of my heart. I know none of y'all have ever been in that place. Now, just so you'll know, God came in 
paid for the car. Everything was fine. You know, the, 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 when I bought my house, I got to argue with the Lord about what I was going to do, how I was going to pay for that house, what I was going to pay for that house. And he told me what to pay. And I began to argue with him, and I told him he wasn't a good businessman. Don't tell God he's not a good businessman, okay? He is in the prosperity business. He understands how to prosper you beyond anything that you can do. And so he, he, he tells me, he says, he asks me this question. He said, son, do you want to pay for it or do you want me to pay for it? I said, God, what do you want me to offer the man? I'll pay anything you say because I sure want you paying for it. Now, let me testify God paid for my house. My house is paid for. God paid for it. I didn't. Amen. And so what I'm telling you is we can't let fear overcome us and take hold of us. We have to walk in that place of, of presence and peace. And so he'll, he'll, he'll bring, when out of that fear, he'll bring hopelessness. Any of you ever experienced the, that hopelessness? Man, where you just, man, you just don't have any hope. You have no expectations. You don't know what's going to happen to you. And this fear overwhelms you. And the next thing, the next step from hopelessness is depression. And once you get into depression, all types of things begin to happen. Depression, it, 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 boy, it, it is the personification and the manifestation of the enemy himself. You can't even get out of bed when you start getting into the deep depths of depression. Life doesn't have any meaning or any purpose. And so I, I just want you to understand what's going on. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. I read that and I thought, wow, so everybody else is suffering and I'm supposed to take pleasure in that? You know, he says, take solace. What he's really saying is not everybody is fainting with fear with what's going on. When prayer came out of the public schools, there were Chinese pastors that, that were in prison being tortured and they stood up and said, why did you stop praying? In other words, they're suffering. All you're doing is sitting back and you're whining and complaining and they're going to prison for what they believe. And so what he is doing here is he's saying, build yourself up in the most holy faith. Understand who you are. Understand what you're about. Don't let the enemy take over you. Listen, it says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. For years and years and years, I saw these flying gates. I thought the gates were chasing me down. How many of y'all ever seen gates fly? Only in a tornado or a hurricane, amen? No, he's saying the authority of hell itself will not be able to stand against the presence of God's church. It'll have to swing open and let the captives go free. Amen? Okay, so when we begin to take hold of that faith, we begin to understand that we're not just ordinary people. We've been called to an extraordinary place. Now, some people say, well, I don't have to go to church to be with, be with God. You're absolutely right. But I'm going to tell you something about going to church. When I start getting down and the enemy starts getting on top of me, I want the church to pull that sucker off of me, encourage me, and strengthen me. And when you're out there by yourself, that bad boy's going to drown you right where you are. 
We need each other. We are called to be a body. And when we can't overcome, he says that's why he sent them out by twos. Two are stronger. A threefold cord is not easily broken. I need you. Turn to somebody and tell them I need you. Woo, I do. I need you. Because I want to walk in that thing. Because the enemy's trying to find somebody that he can deceive. Have you ever been deceived by the enemy? Unfortunately, many times. Many, many times. And so he, he's trying to deceive us. The first step in walking in God's blessing and the abundance or fullness of life is to believe. Chaos, looting, rioting all over the globe. I read this morning when I got up that in uh, Seattle, there was 2,000 people that just went to battle with the police. And a judge had ordered that they couldn't use non, even non-lethal methods to disperse the crowd. Now, eventually, uh, they declared it a riot and were allowed to use some different things. But the police were told they couldn't do their job. In London, two days ago, rioting, burning. In Italy, in Spain, just begin to look all over the world. We're just looking at the United States because that's where we live. But there's looting and rioting and murder and mayhem, and it's on the increase. It's going up. Oh, and COVID-19, how many of us are excited about COVID-19? It's a great thing to, to recover from. It's not a good thing to go into, okay? And so we, we got COVID-19. You can wear a mask, can't wear a mask. People saying that you can do this, you can't do that. And the truth of the matter is none of them know. It's got them all fooled. That's why I tell you, when you get up in the morning, if you're going to take your mask, wear your mask, but put on the blood of Jesus too, okay? Matter of fact, put on the blood of Jesus before you put your mask on. War, no end in sight. Absolutely no end in sight. Every time you turn around, there's another war breaking out. And just because the U.S. isn't in a battle, although we do have troops that are in fighting right this minute, even though we're not in a war, there are wars going on continually. The stress just keeps on and on and on. The worldwide hunger. There are people that are hungry all over the world. Man, things are bad, aren't they? I mean, you see these little children. Gary and I were talking about that the other day. Uh, I haven't seen them in a while, but they used to show these commercials with these little kids that had the distended stomachs out there. And they were saying for 19 cents a day that you could feed a child. Now it's you can feed a dog, but back then you could feed a child. And then the last one, anger, strife, division. Have you ever lived in a time when there was more anger and what's going on right now? Wow. Wow. Whew. It gets to be a lot, doesn't it? It's heavy. So we got we to learn to walk in God's blessing. We've got to understand what we believe. And then you've got to act on what you believe. Either you believe it or you don't. Jesus told the truth or he lied. Either he brings peace or he doesn't. You can't just be in between. Well, sometimes he brings peace and sometimes he doesn't. No, sometimes you receive the peace and sometimes you don't, but Jesus always brings it. Amen? It's with everything that happened. On the atonement, 
in the atonement, Jesus paid for it all. Jesus paid for every man, woman, and child on the planet to be saved, but not all are going to receive what was paid for on Calvary's cross. He paid for our healing. He He paid for our deliverance. He paid the price for every bit of that on our behalf, and it's up to us as to whether we can receive that or not. So if I don't get healed, it's my fault. No, I'm not going into that. Herman's already fussed at me for doing that type thing. I just want you to know it's paid for. Okay, it's paid for. Your peace has been paid for. We sang that song this morning, in the midst of the storm, I'm going to raise a hallelujah. Well, if this isn't a perfect storm that's going on right now, and I'm not even talking about the natural disasters that are taking place and about to take place in the earth. And didn't Jesus tell us these things were fixing to happen? And he's saying in the middle of all of this stuff, he said, I've given you the power I've given you the love, and I've given you a sound mind. A sound mind is a mind that's free from guilt, shame, and worry. You can't have a strong mind without those three things going on in your life. Otherwise, the enemy has a stronghold. He's, he's living in your head, and he's not paying rent. Amen? He's got you there. And so we got to believe it. And he says, so what do you believe, and how do you stir up the gift? How do I stir that thing up? Well, the first thing you got to do is you got to have a renewed mind and you got to change what you're looking at. I can look at death. I can look at hunger. I can look at famine. I can look at war. I can look at COVID or I can look at the resurrected Christ. I promise you the majority of church people are spending more time listening to the pulpit that is, that, that is hailing the works of the enemy more than they're focusing on their worship and had their eyes on the resurrected Christ who said he overcame it all. Amen. Amen. We got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. I'm going to read that scripture to you in just a minute out of Hebrews so that you'll know. Go to the next one. There's victory in Jesus. How many of you have victory? We used to sing that song. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his unfailing love. You know something? When you sing songs like that, though, you begin to declare the victory. It's not just about a a catchy tune. It's I'm declaring victory right here, right now. That's why the Lord says the battle's not ours. It's the Lord's. It's an unfair fight if it's us against the devil. He wins every time. But if it's the Holy Spirit in you against the enemy, he loses every time. Amen? There's victory in Jesus. Look at the peace that passes all understanding. How many of you believe the lion and the lamb are going to lay down together? Amen. Jesus said, my peace I give you, not like the world peace that passes understanding. Come on, just raise up. I'll take some of that peace. Amen. I'll take some of that peace. I want to walk in peace. And so the first step to understanding what you have is to, to declare what you believe. I believe that God is greater than the chaos that's on the planet. I believe that God is greater than the hunger. I believe that God is greater than all these things. And now because I believe that, I have to act on it. Let me say it one more time. If I really believe it, I'm going to act on it. That means i got to do something about it. Well, I'm just one little man. Uh Uh-uh. No, no, no. One man and Jesus. 
Now, I want you to know, I don't know what one man can do, but Jesus can do it all. I think we believe in this scripture that said, all things are possible to him who what? Believes. Do you believe? Do you believe? That's what you got to say is I believe. And so we begin to act on that. Hebrews 12, 4, 1, 12.1 says, Therefore let us also lay aside every weight and sin which, cl so, which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus. He's saying, if you got worry, if you're carrying that baggage around, if you got fear, if you've got uncertainty, he said, would you please put that crap down? Bring it to the cross and let him deal with it. And he said, you got a race to run. You've got light to shed. You've got to be the salt in the earth. You've got to glorify my name. You are the revelation of Jesus Christ on the planet. What are you going to do about it? I read the other day where it said service workers are being berated and they're being cussed at and fussed at. They're barely making more than minimum wage and people are so intolerant and so impatient and, and the, the, the whole thing about wear the mask, don't wear the mask, what you can do, what you can't do. You know, they get all bent out of shape and, and their mental health is suffering because people just think it ought to be their way. They're so selfish, they don't even understand. So I'm going to just tell you right now, the next time you go into anywhere, the next time you see a service worker of any time, you tell them you appreciate them. You tell them that you love them and that God loves them. You thank them for what they're doing. That guy comes and picks up your trash, man, you ought to hug his neck. Come on, we just got to get out of the business of being like the world. We're not here to chew anybody's butt out. Oh, me. Oh, me. Well, I lose my temper. Well, how about lose it at the cross and quit carrying it around with you? Because when you become one that is carrying anger, you're profaning the name of Jesus. I'm not pulling any punches with you because I'm going to tell you, I believe that, that things are going to get worse before they get better for those that are in the world. For those that are in the kingdom, things are going to get better and better and better and the glory of God is going to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. You got to focus on what you got, what what's there though. He said he said in Romans 10:8, what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he says with a mouth one confesses is with saved. He said with a, with a mouth I've cut this all up, but he says with my mouth I confess. With my mouth I begin to declare. With my mouth, I take hold of. Let me tell you something. Until you're confessing it, you don't own it. Well, I don't want to be one of those Christians that tell people about Jesus. Well, you're probably not too fond of in heaven either. Well, now Jesus loves me. Well, he said, if you're ashamed of me before man, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father who is in heaven. Oh, this, this honey-dripping Jesus also has another side. He shows mercy to those that give mercy. He, gives grace to those, he shows grace to those that give grace. He brings, before, he brings the name of those before his Father that bring his name before people. Am I making sense to you? I started out this year saying we wanted to tell at least a 1,000 people that Jesus loves them. 
when COVID got us and I got off track and got out of line, we, we fixed to go back to making sure that we tell people that Jesus loves them. We want to encourage people. There are people that are so depressed because, see, they, they don't know about the glorified Christ. They don't know about the resurrected Jesus. All they know about is the hell that's been unleashed on earth. And, and they and the enemy, the one that they're trying to worship, you know, the same one, the, 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 the one they're worshiping, that's the one that's releasing the hell. That's the one that's causing the problems. That's the one that's, that's, that's creating death and chaos in the earth. And God's saying, you have to be light or you're not doing your job. Okay, so we need to confess what we believe and hold fast to it. And then you need to write it down, rehearse it daily, meditate on it, and speak it out loud. And then you need to pray in the Spirit continually. Paul says, I pray in the Spirit more than you all. Somewhere along the line, when we got our prayer language and our our tongues, we thought, man, that was an exciting experience, but we quit praying in it. But the Bible says that we build ourselves up. We stir ourselves up when we begin to pray in tongues. There ought not be a day that goes by that you don't pray in the Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit just to begin to stir you up internally until you can't hardly stand it. And I promise you, if you'll get beyond your own self and let the Holy Spirit begin to take over, there will be things, that the dynamics in that word and in that tongue that will change, and you will be changed by what the Holy Spirit is doing. You're going to release the Holy Spirit to praise Jesus the way he needs to be praised. Amen. I can't tell you enough about speaking in tongues and releasing that. And if you don't have that gift, you can have it. If you don't want it, that's okay too. You can still love Jesus. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want it, but but there are people that don't, and that's okay. And I know the people that are struggling to receive that and have not. Don't worry. You'll get it. Just keep asking. All right? Step four, taking communion. You want to get stirred up? Take communion. We walk ourselves through these things and we begin to understand. We got to believe what God says. We got to believe that God does what he says he'll do. We got to believe we are who God says we are. And then we got to believe that Jesus did what he said he would do. Amen. You want to get stirred up? Know what you believe. Know why you believe it. Confess what you believe. Begin to release the spirit. Speak under the power of the Holy Spirit. And the final, not the final one, the fourth one is start taking communion. I, I, I don't know who told you you couldn't take communion at home. You can have communion every day if you want to. You can have communion twice a day if you want to. It's up to you to set aside the time and, and to, to take the time and do that. I want to read you the scripture. This is Jesus, and when the hour had come, he reclined at a table, and the apostles with him. Now, if you've ever seen anybody eat in the Middle East, he's literally laying down at a low table. He is as comfortable as he can be. He is at this point at peace, and he's with the people he loves the most. Now, understand this. He realizes before the week is out, he will, he will go through the greatest suffering the greatest suffering of any man that has ever been or ever will be on the planet. And so, but he's here at this place and he's relaxed. And he says to the apostles, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I don't know how many times I've read that and I want to know, what is that it, God? What is that it? 
I always thought he meant when he came back the second time, but that's not what he's talking about. He was talking about until the communion was fully manifested. That meant until his body was broken. That meant until his blood was shed. That meant until he was separated and went into hell and took the, the keys to death, hell, and the grave. That meant until he ascended into heaven that when he said he wouldn't take it again until it had been completed. Let me give you good news. It has been completed. Now, he's coming back and the fullness of the kingdom will be blessed and we will eat and drink with him anew in the new kingdom and the new order. But Jesus will receive and be a part of what we're doing right here, right now, because it has been finished. Does that make sense to you? Amen. So I just want you to understand how important this thing really is. He said, and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink uh, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant of my blood. He took the bread and he broke it. And he told them, This is my body broken for you. Then they took and they drank the cup. And he said, this is the blood of the new promise, the new covenant, the new guarantee. Paul says in Corinthians, he said, many of you sleep, many sleep because they partook of this cup in an unworthy manner. Thought about that a long time in my life. And I'm not sure that I fully understand what that means even to today, but I'm going to tell you this. When you just partake of it out of a religious tradition, you've partaken of the wrong thing. When you realize what happened on that cross, when you begin to realize that those stripes that Jesus took, the beating that Jesus took, the Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded because I messed it up. He was bruised because of my iniquity, my rebellion against anything but particularly my rebellion against him. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. He who had walked in the perfect peace of God now was going to have to take every bit of our unrest, every bit of our tension, every bit of our fear, every bit of our anxiety, and he said it was upon him. And then he says, by his stripes we were healed. Now let me talk about the healing. It is physical. It is emotional. But the top one is it's our spirit has become alive. And we will be eternally connected in the, with, in the, with the presence of Jesus because of what he did and because we said yes to him. He called us and we said yes. Come on, give God praise. Give God praise. 
Now, let me tell you what, when all this fear and anxiety and all this other mess and your children aren't doing right and all of these things are happening that shouldn't be happening and, and you begin to think, oh, my God, your husband's not doing right, your wife's not doing right, whatever. It doesn't make any difference. You start looking at that communion table and you begin to say, hey, Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to put myself in your hands. I'm going to trust you with my children. I'm going to trust you with my spouse. I'm going to trust you with my finances. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to be obedient to you and I'm going to do what you have commanded me to do and I'm going to quit worrying about it. I'm going to quit being tormented about it. I'm not going to stop praying and praising about it, but I am flat going to quit worrying about it. And I'm going to battle until I do. I'm going to go to war with anything that tries to attack me. I am no longer going to be a passive observer. I'm no longer going to try to make friends with the enemy. If he's going to give me hell, I'm going to give it right back to him. Except I'm going to release heaven. And the Bible says the gates of hell can't stand against heaven and his church. The kingdom of God abides in me. And I've got to stir myself up and remind myself, no matter how many attacks happen, no matter what's going on, it doesn't matter whether it's mentally, physically, or, or emotionally. It does not make any difference. My Christ paid the price for it. And that, that body was broken and that blood was shed. And when I receive it, I'm going to get stirred up in my spirit because God says, he said, I sent my son, my beloved son, that whoever believed in him, should not perish. Come on. Yeah, give God praise. Give God praise. I'm going to get myself stirred up. So every time I take communion, I'm going to remind myself. I remember his death, but out of that death came life. And out of his life, my life has been born. I've been born again. I'm a believer. I'm filled with his spirit. Why? Because of what you did? Heck no. The only thing Eddie Mason deserves is to bust hell wide open. When I stand before the King of kings and the, and the Lord of glory, the Father of all creation, I got one plea. That's the blood of Jesus. And you know something? That's all I need. That's all I need. Now, I want to be a good and faithful servant, and I want crowns, and I want all the stuff because he told me I could have it, and he told me to desire those things. He told me to want to, those things. But I do, all I know for sure is that the blood of Jesus Christ has been poured out over me. Amen. Woo. I'm blood bought. How about you? Yeah, come on. Give God praise. Jesus deserves the praise. And then I'm going to finish with this one. And I, I think I've preached long enough. We'll, we'll go back over it because I'm going to finish the seven. I haven't given you but four of them. But the fifth one is exuberant worship. Exuberant worship. The Bible says that the Fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What's that mean? Passionate. It has nothing to do with the speed of the music. It has all to do with the passion that's inside of you. You know, I, I like toe-tapping music. I'm not kidding you. I, 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 like, I liked it when I was a kid. I like it now. When I listen to it, I, I like that fast, upbeat stuff. You know, I love for that. I think, man, that gets everybody's engine revving. The only problem is, is my emotions are being moved and my spirit's not being moved. And so 
what I want to do is I want my spirit engaged, and I don't want my feet dancing. I want my spirit dancing inside of me, and then my feet will follow suit. Isn't that what happens to you, Bobby? Uh-huh, it's the spirit that gets engaged. You start getting engaged in the spirit and this exuberance. And it doesn't matter if it's the Lord's prayer and we're singing it in 4-4 time and everything is just slow and every note is being held out. It doesn't make any difference. When I have passion for Jesus, it does not make a difference. My exuberant worship comes out because I am passionate for Jesus. Come on, give God praise. Let me read the scriptures to you. And then I'll, I'll, I will close. In 2 Samuel 6.20, David was known as a worshiper. There's two things, that, two or three things we know about David for sure. One of them, he screwed up with Bathsheba. You talk to anybody about David and they'll remind you. And so God eternally allowed that tag to be put on him. And there's a good reason for it. God gets glory out of it. But the second thing everybody knows about David is that he was a worshiper. Everybody knows that David was a worshiper. And if you know your scriptures, you'll know that in the book of Acts, he said that he was going, that God said he was going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. Well, the tabernacle of David was all about worshiping the glory and the presence of Jesus Christ. It was all about the musicians and the singers and the dancers and the banners and the exuberant time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's the tabernacle of David. Why? David believed in exuberant worship and nothing. It was more important to him than the kingdom. It was more important to him than his wives. It was more important to him than his money. It was more important to him than his cattle. It was more important to him than his health. It was the most important thing on the planet was to worship God mightily. And when he would withdraw from that worship, he'd get in trouble every time. 2 Samuel 6, 20, and David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servant female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as a prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. But by female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. She was struck barren because she dared to raise a word against David's worship. He said, I'll become more undignified than this, King James. I don't care. What people think about me is nothing. What they think about my God is everything. And I'm going to worship him whether you like it, whether you don't like it, whether it upsets you, whether it doesn't upset you, I'm going to worship my God. So get on board and get off my back. Amen? That's what you got to tell people. I'm going to worship God. I am going to worship him. I'm going to worship him in the morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship him at noon. I'm going to worship him in the evening. And I'm going to worship him before I go to bed. I'm going to worship my God.
When things aren't, aren't going right, I'm going to worship my God. When things are going perfect, I'm going to worship my God. When everything is, I'm going to worship my God. Why? Because my God made provision for me. He saved me when I wasn't worth saving. He died for me. He bled for me. He did all of these things. My God sent his only son to do that for me. He deserves my worship. Amen. He deserves everything. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.